This is Rami, your locally produced podcast. Welcome to This is Rami, episode four. I'm Lee, and I'd like to welcome you to the weekly podcast that brings you news, events, interviews, and other information from the heart of Ramsbottom. This week, we interview Mel Southworth, who's actually climbing Everest in early April. We managed to catch up with her just a few weeks ago to record this interview. Over to Mel. Welcome to This Is Rami. Uh, I've got uh, Mel Southworth on the phone, who is uh, actually climbing Everest very soon. So, uh, hi Mel, how are you? Hi, I'm not so bad. I'm not so bad. A little bit nervous, but ready to be off. Good stuff. Um, so tell us a bit about yourself uh, and what your connection with Ramsbottom is. Well, I was born and bred on, uh, on Bolton Street, and uh, my parents, uh, my eldest brother has a uh, second-hand furniture shop on the rock in, in Bury for years, uh, South of Sons, which I think a lot of people probably know. And, uh, yeah, went to Woodhay High School, Hazelhurst Primary School. Um, I had a small business when I, in my early 20s on, uh, on Square Street called the Monkey Temple, selling ethnic handicrafts. And, uh, and my lovely old mum, who's 87, still lives here at uh, Ashton Lodge. And, uh, yeah, lovely time. Great. So uh, you've you've never been tempted away for, from uh, Ramsbottom then? Well, well, I have. Oh, it's <laughs> coming have, out now. <laughs> I have, but you've only got twenty. You've only got twenty minutes. It's a long story. Yes, I yeah. I've been. I've had a fairly itinerant life. On a lived in Ireland for a while. Um, I've done a lot of travelling. Travelled all over the world. I lived in Slovenia briefly. Uh, but you know they always say that eventually you find your way back home. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. Here I am just, back in Rami. It just goes to show that uh, there must be something here that keeps bringing you back. That's just it. Yeah. I mean, the, you, you never you never forget your 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 home roots. And uh, I've never lost my accent. I mean, people tell me my accent's changed a little bit, but to say that I've been coming and going for the last you know twenty odd years, I've uh, I've still got my nice northern Ramsbottom yeah, accent. Yeah, you definitely have. Good. So why Everest? And uh, when did you decide to? Uh, to climb it, basically. Well, do you know, it's 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 uh, it's the culmination of a lifelong dream. To be honest, when I was a kid, I used to uh, I used to stand outside the front of the shop in in Bury, and I'd set up a little stall and put, you know, if we had any secondhand books and magazines and stuff, and I'd try and sell these books and magazines. And I remember there was uh, I had an old uh, a big pile of old Nat Geo magazines, and there was an article in about Everest, and I was absolutely fascinated with it. I'd never seen anything like it. And when uh, when I was at primary school at Hazelhurst, um, I had the good fortune to go on a school trip with them uh, to Switzerland when I was ten, and uh, and I saw the Matterhorn, and uh, I don't know, it just started a, a lifelong interest and fascination with the with the mountains. And uh, in my early twenties, as I mentioned earlier, I uh, basically ended up importing handicrafts into uh, into England and selling them in the shopping. Ramsbottom and I had a shop in the Corn Exchange in Manchester as well uh, because I went to Nepal and I absolutely fell, fell in love with the place. I love the culture, uh, the history of the country and everything. But it's strange that I started visiting Nepal regularly and I never went trekking. Right. <laughs> I, never, I never went up into the mountains until uh, 2001. And, uh, and basically from then until now, I've been up to the Everest region every year. Um, I've been up there, I think this is my 13th trip or something like that up into the Everest region. And wow. I've tracked in many areas now in, in, in Nepal, but there's something about the Kumbu Valley, which is the valley that leads up to the foot of these big mountains, 
uh, that really resonates with me. It's I, you know, I absolutely, um, I absolutely love the place. It must uh, be. It's quite funny, yeah. Because this, I mean, there so must be so many people who go to Nepal primarily just to do the climb, and obviously don't spend that much time in Nepal. Are there to just climb Everest or, or one of the other mountains? But um, yeah, for, yeah. You, for you to do the opposite is is quite funny. I know. It's, you know, I had a, I had a friend, uh, a friend years ago, who I actually went up to Everest Base Camp with once, and he said to me, he said, he said, so what was it like when you climbed Everest in another <laughs> in another life? Because I've I've got this strange love affair with the with the area, and I love the culture. There's a lot of monasteries up there, and uh, you know the spirituality of the mountains, yeah. and there's just something about it that resonated with me. But I never thought I'd ever get into a position. You know, I'm, I'm an internal optimist and I'm very much a yes girl, but I never thought to get into the position to actually climb it. And there was an incredible series of events that uh, started three years ago that basically led me to uh, where I am now. And uh, but but for me, it's 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 not so much a climb as a a culmination of a of a, a, a lifelong love affair. Let's, let's put it that way. No, I, c- I can imagine it's uh, it's definitely on quite a lot of people's. Um lists of things to do so um yeah it's it's I highly great recommend it. i've traveled all over the world i've been to the andes the alps and to me there is the himalayas are sublime absolutely sublime so um obviously it's it's not something it's not exactly a walk in the park climbing everest uh you know the, the, the tallest mountain on the on the on earth um so yeah. how have you been doing training and and oh, i'm guessing you have been doing training and how long have you been training for and what kind of things have you had to do well, to be perfectly honest, like when I when I think back, I always think the greatest training that I've done for this climb is the is the uh, you know the thirteen plus trips that I've done to Nepal over the last um, fourteen years. Uh, because obviously I've been up to altitude a lot, and the biggest mm. problem with climbing big mountains is uh, is the problem with uh, with altitude sickness and alt- altitude related uh, illnesses. So in many respects, I'm from that point of view extremely fortunate because every time you go up to altitude it's, you've almost uh your body almost has like muscle memory right okay. um, and, it, and every time i've gone up there it gets slightly i won't say easier <laughs> it's never easier <laughs> yeah it's never easy uh, but slightly yeah slightly easier but um actual physical training uh, i started two years ago because actually there's a everest last year um attempting to climb when of course there's a a terrible avalanche that killed 16 climbing Sherpas. Mm. And as a consequence of that and events that happened after that, the mountain was actually uh, was actually uh, closed down. So I trained three years for that. And basically, I am a huge fan of a fitness program run by uh, um, Les Mills who do pump classes and RPM cycle classes, which you can do at Castle Leisure Centre in Bury. Okay. Um, I've used the, the gym here in, in Ramsbottom. It's a wonderful gym next to the swimming bath here at, uh, at Ramsbottom. I did have a personal trainer for three months, and I dropped 9% body fat uh, to try and basically, uh, you know, get more muscle mass and everything. I do a lot of cycling. I've done um, ice climbing and cross-country skiing in, in Canada. And I've actually just spent my, my partner, Ben, is actually from Ottawa, and Ottawa has just had the coldest winter in uh, recorded history. And I'd say that, so it, it got down to minus 38. And he's actually also, he has actually summited Everest in the past. Yeah. And he kept saying to me, unless you have a storm, it's not going to be as cold. <laughs> <laughs> 
So wow, that's yeah. Well, that, yeah, so. minus 38 sounds um, quite cold. It makes Ramsbottom yeah, sound almost, uh, yeah. you know, is, like the Amazon compared that to that. <laughs> so you mentioned that you've uh, you, you've at least climbed some of Everest before. Um, I, I'm assuming, have you ever got to the summit before now? No, I actually, um, I've climbed several 20,000 uh, foot mountains in the same in the same valleys leading up to Everest. And uh, uh, two years ago, I got the opportunity to climb uh, Lotsey, which is the fourth highest mountain in the world, which is uh, just under 28,000 feet. And it's actually the mountain that's adjacent to Everest. So the actual route for Lotsey is the same as Everest for three quarters of the route. And then basically, the point higher on the mountain, you turn left, to go on to Everest and you turn right to go on to Lotsey. Right. Uh, so I actually summited Lotsey two years ago. So it's kind of a mixed blessing because I know what's coming, which is yeah. a good thing. And I know what's coming, which is a really bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've cl- because I've climbed the route thousands of times over the last few months in my head in the middle of the night yeah. when I've woken up sweating, you know, thinking about what's coming. Um, so I, I, yeah, and I'm very familiar with the, uh, with the conditions at base camp and I have, uh, I have a personalised acclimatisation plan that I follow, which involves me actually doing my first push to 20,000 feet on, an, on a different mountain entirely from Everest because the most dangerous stretch of Everest is the beginning five-hour climb up through uh, Cumbria Glacier, which is where the avalanche happened last year. And in order to um, uh, take one ascent and descent through the icefall off my acclimatisation protocol, I actually go to a different mountain it's at the same height as Camp One on Everest to make it a safer climb for, for, for myself and my climbing Sherpa. Yeah, I, I guess there's height. a lot more uh, loose snow or something towards the bottom of the mountains. Then. Yeah, it's a sea of you know uh, office block size uh, blocks of ice that move nine feet a day, and it's you know it's riddled with crevasses, which I'm sure a lot of people have seen on TV. The programs mm. of uh, people crossing aluminium ladders, you know, which are not for the faint-hearted, no. and. Uh, it's a very, very dangerous place. And to be perfectly honest, I'm more concerned about the Cumber Icefall, particularly in light of what happened last year, than I am about the rest of the climb. You know, if we get a good summit window, uh, I know what I'm doing. I'm fit enough for it. I'm mentally capable for it. Uh, hopefully, I'll have no issues with the altitude, which you never know. It's an uh, insidious menace. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a problem that you can't see that does uh, cause a lot of problems for people. So... Fingers crossed, they won't be a problem. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mentally exhausting as, as well as it's physically, uh, I, I can imagine. It is. I mean, you know, there's a lot of criticism leveled at, uh, at Everest for the commercialisation of the uh, of the mountain, but people forget, you know, that even uh, Edmund Hillary and Tenzin Norgay, they had a support team, you know, they they, uh, they, they had uh, um, uh, support staff to help with the logistics because at the end of the day, no matter whatever people's condition um, is for going to the mind to know the circumstances there is only you and your two pairs of legs that's going to get you to the top of the mountain yeah. you know the, the stories of people being dragged up by Sherpas is absolute nonsense <laughs> uh, you know I've seen uh, people with 20 years of mountaineering experience who have climbed the north face of the Eiger that have been beaten by the altitude mm-hmm. and I've seen people with relatively little uh, experience that have gone and been a great uh, addition to uh, climbing teams and gone on to have a successful summit. It's, it's it's a monster mountain that can never be brought down in size and always will be, you know. So um, obviously, yeah, as you say, it's a monster mountain. So, uh, are you are you scared? Um, I um, well, like I said, I have been waking up in the middle of the night and uh, 
you know, I've climbed the mountain a million times and it's a mixed blessing actually knowing what's what's uh, coming. I think, to be honest, I'm more scared of, uh, you know, if and hope I will summit of what crazy idea I come up with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I believe there's uh, there's missions to Mars planned, but I wouldn't suggest one well, of those. Well, that's, that's just it. Yeah, no, I do, I do like the old endurance stuff, I must admit, but, uh, you know, that's uh, a motivating, uh, motivating thing for me. But, yeah, I mean... Uh, you know, I have great respect for um, I have great respect for that region, and I have great respect for the the dangers inherent in the in the climb. And I've made my you know I've made my peace with that. I mean, human beings have been doing. We wouldn't have had a lot of the technological advances and the things that have happened for us as a species on the planet if it wasn't for people going out and pushing boundaries. And okay, I'm not exactly doing that, but um, oh no, yeah, you're doing a lot more than most people do. I, I find it difficult to. To get the energy to go out for a run some some nights in winter, it's it's hardly climbing Everest. So yeah, yeah I'd, uh... <laughs> no, well, yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same. So yeah, I have, I have a you know I have a healthy uh, respect uh, for what I'm about to do. Um, you know, I uh, my wonderful eldest brother uh, David uh, passed away a few years ago at the age of fifty five, and unexpectedly, and it had a really big um, effect on me from the point of view of it made me realise just how short life is and that uh yeah carpe diem the old cliche you've got to see today no that's, and, that's a really uh, good attitude to have i think well that's just it because you never know what's going to happen um you know i am physically fit enough to go and do this i'm fortunate to, uh, to be able to do this and uh you but i am extremely i'm very grateful that uh you know i'm, I'm in a position to, to go and have a to fulfill a lifetime yeah. dream fundamentally and I, I read uh, I read a quote actually recently that I thought was wonderful, uh, and it said something like, "If the thing you're doing doesn't scare you, then your dream's not big enough." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a brilliant quote. So, so, I, so I kind of uh, I kind of agree with that to be perfectly honest. So, is it going to be uh, any home comforts you're going to miss? Obviously, central heating's probably going to be one of them. But uh, other than something like that, well, you, you're going to have a, you're going to have a laugh at this. There is the ultimate home comfort that I always miss when I go away is chips and gravy and pounds, <laughs> chips. Yeah, they, they don't they don't keep very well, do they? Uh, going up Everest, uh, chips and gravy. Do you know, I've had this routine for years that the first thing that I eat when I come back is chips and gravy from Towns at the top of Bridge Street. So, yeah, that and a pint of flat cap at the major. The, the major is a pub that, you know, I've been intimately acquainted with since I was a kid because my dad was a bit of a douche and that was his local, yeah. you know, growing up on Bolton Street. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so those are No, it's great. Uh, yeah, the, ma- the majors, uh, my local, I'm, I'm in there now and again. Uh, there's always lots of things going on and it's a good good atmosphere in there. It is, it is, and it's still a lovely atmosphere in there. And, you know, it's still there's still a feeling there of what it was, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. It's one of the, uh, you know, the few, tra- we've lost a lot of pubs in yeah. there, I mean, it's, which is a terrible shame. It's one of the few traditional-looking uh, pubs still left in the town and... Uh, and uh, yeah, no, I think it's uh, it's a wonderful place, and it always takes me down memory lane and reminds me of my dad, and he passed away when I was was seventeen. And right. yeah, it's it's a wonderful wonderful place to uh, to go into. But other comforts mean showers and things like that. I'm so used to being in environments where my mum always says to me, "Why is it you always go to places where you get cold feet?" Because <laughs> I always end up in these kind of harsh environments where I can't have a shower for a month, and so all of those things just make me appreciate having running hot water and and things when i come back yeah a nice long 
hour-long shower or something with yeah. the first chance yeah. you get, probably. You've got to go, you've got to, it's, it's a great opportunity to go to an environment where, particularly Nepal, where, you know, Nepal's one of the poorest countries uh, in the world and terrible poverty and, uh, uh, you know, wonderful, delightful people and I recommend everybody to go there, but don't be scared on the taxi ride to your hotel because it really does seem like a chaotic place when you arrive in Kathmandu, but a wonderful, wonderful country. But you see all these hardships that people uh, people suffer from, and uh, going away makes you appreciate all of the wonderful things that we uh, that we take for granted. You know, when we're we're back at home with home comforts and everything. So uh, we we talked um, before the the interview briefly uh, with regards to any charities and things like that that you you may be doing this for. Yeah. Um, so do you want to just talk a bit about uh, Canine Partners? I will do. I will do. Um, a couple of years, three years ago, I worked on. A, I wrote an online blog for the Canadian uh, broadcasting company, the CBC, in, in Canada, and I was involved in an expedition in a documentary film that was meant taking twelve military veterans up Island Peak, which is the the twenty thousand foot mountain that I'll be acclimatising on before before Everest. And uh, they uh, the climb was done for a charity, um, which basically helps uh, ill and injured uh, military veterans physical and psychological disabilities when they return from war. Well, the, uh, there's a charity that's supported by uh, Help for Heroes called Canine Partners, who do occasionally um, 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 produce assistance dogs for people, WR amputees returning from war. But predominantly they do work for the over a million people in Britain uh, with physical disabilities that are with re- reduced mobility that are in wheelchairs. And they have these wonderful Labradors, Golden Retrievers, Golden Doodles that they train for two years. Uh, they can assist people with, uh, with, um, uh, with movement, um, incapacities. So these dogs can post letters, they can get milk out of the fridge, they can um, load and unload washing machines and do a lot of the things that are physically difficult for people to do. That's brilliant. The charity is special to me because I, I talked previously about how lucky I feel and how fortunate I feel to be able to be fit enough to go off and do a challenge that I'm about to undertake. And it does make me mindful of the fact that there are many, many people that do not have that luxury uh, through one reason or another. So I've decided to support Canine Partners um, uh, and hope to raise enough money. The dogs are expensive to produce. They take two, two years to train because they're very, very specialised dogs. Uh, and I'm hoping to raise some funds um, uh, to contribute to the amazing work that Canine Partners do in, uh, in, in producing these wonderful assistance dogs for people with limited mobility. So, that's brilliant. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll appreciate every every little bit of help they get. That's that's true. That's true. And um, so I'm 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 um, there'll be um, basically a donation charity turn in a shop in Rottenstall, uh, in Ramsbottom and in Bury, and uh, and there'll be a link on my Facebook page, and my web page, that people, uh, if they feel um, it's possible for them to do it, can, can make a donation towards Canine Partners. And uh, also last year, the Berry Times ran a series of, um, of stories that I sent them uh, while I was in the while I was on the climbing, and they're um, they're looking to do the same this year. And hopefully, the Rosendale Free Press will, and any advertisement basically I can do for Canine Partners. I mean, my big hope post climb is to find somebody locally who would benefit from one of these dogs and continue to fundraise over the summer to try and uh, raise the money 
to buy one of these dogs for somebody uh, in need from the local area. That's that's my big dream. Great. Well, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll say you've mentioned a few things there, so I'll, I'll put references to uh, to these into the into the show notes for the podcast, so that if anybody wants to have a look or or donate anything, you know, as we mentioned, every little helps. It does. Um, it does. So if if anyone can donate anything towards uh, Canine Partners, yeah. then that'd be much appreciated. That would be wonderful because they they um, you know there's a growing need for these dogs. Everybody's heard of guide dogs for the blind and hearing dogs. But not, not a lot of people know that there are assistance dogs for they, they produce assistance dogs for kids with autism, uh, people with uh, traumatic stress disorder, be they people coming back from war or people that have been involved in car crashes that have developed agoraphobia or sleeping problems. Uh, there's what, you know, if people, uh, go onto YouTube and look up Canine Partners, you can see a link of what the charity is about. And there's also a very good Danish advert that was on, posted on Facebook a week or two ago. Uh, which is uh, an advertisement for an assistance dog program in Denmark, which shows that the uh, benefit of assistance dogs for people uh, in the military suffering from PTSD, and it's really moving if people have the time to, to check it out. And they can Great. Uh, I'll, uh, that'll be embedded in the show notes That's as well, right. so have a look at the video on the website. If you go to thisisrami.co.uk, um, you'll see this is uh, towards the top of the of the page. And if you click on podcasts, you'll you'll find this interview. So I'd like to say thank you very much, uh, Mel, for speaking to uh, This Is Rami. You're you are welcome. probably going to be our only interviewee who will have climbed uh, Everest. <laughs> so um, you never know. <laughs> good luck with uh, good good luck with your challenge. Um, you mentioned earlier about being able to to post updates and things to to Facebook. I so will, I will. Uh, hopefully you, you get a good enough signal. And, and if uh, people are interested, I could even do a pod, podcast uh, with you from base camp if that's uh, if that's of any interest anybody. That that would be absolutely amazing yeah. if you could do it. Obviously, it's. Uh, I'm not going to put that pressure on you on you right now, but yeah, that would be amazing if you could give us an update. Uh, you know, it, uh, however, well, I, however I, I, short. I'd like to so. do that because I am actually, I'm scrambling to find a, a Ramsbottom coat of arms flag, to basically take Ramsbottom with me on this on this climb, and hopefully I get a few nice photographs that, that the town can get a, a little bit of uh, pleasure out of. If I can just add one other thing, uh, it's the actual yeah. uh, Chinese the Chinese New Year this year, which is shared by the Sherpa community of the Kumbu area in Nepal. The sacred animal this year is the ram, or is the sheep, basically. So uh, not only do I want to carry ram's bottom with me, basically, on this climb, but if I'd like to put this flag on the, the tent at base camp because it's very, very auspicious uh, to the Sherpa community uh, to have this, this symbol. Um, it's good luck, basically, and it will be appreciated by my you know, Sherpa uh, friends over there, so I, I'll be uh, I'll be, be taking that with me. And I just wanted to mention one other thing, which I, I don't normally mm-hmm. advertise this in public. You know, part of the reason why I'm doing this climb is because of, of the things that I've explained earlier. But I, for, for anybody that's struggling with fitness and weight and health, uh, I, it might surprise people to know that I, I used to weigh nearly 20 stones. So if this podcast does nothing else, I've already climbed a, a mountain way bigger than Everest, and this hopefully will encourage people that not only can they, uh, you know, go on and change their life if there's any evidence in their life that they're not happy about being weight or whatever, but they can also go on to fulfil their dreams. That's really that's great. That's a fantastic message uh, yeah. to finish Just off with. Just don't tell anybody else because I hate people knowing that. I used to wear <laughs> don't tell anybody I'm else. Joking. You kind of just made it a bit public. But, I know. Uh... I'm actually this, this climb's actually the tail end of a book that I'm writing, so everybody's going to know anyway. 
So. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> the cat's out of the bag there then. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for speaking to This Is Romy. Uh, yeah. And I hope to speak to you soon, uh, whether it be on Everest or, or when you're back. Lovely. Lovely. Thanks very much for your time. I've no problem. Really thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Mel. Thanks. Bye. Mel Southworth there. She was a really great person to interview. She's got some really good stories and uh, life skills, so no doubt she'll be making a return to the podcast, whether that's up Everest or not. Uh, so we've got a couple of reviews on iTunes. Uh, I'd like to thank Soupy E and Lord Burner for their comments on there. So if you'd like to leave a review on iTunes, you can find our links on thisisrammy.co.uk or if you just search for This Is Rammy in iTunes, we should come right up. So thank you very much for listening. Please subscribe and I will see you next week. Thanks. Thanks.